You're listening to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast with me, Alexia Leachman. Let me help you to take the fear out of pregnancy, birth and beyond with a mix of real life stories and experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing psychology insights to help you to cultivate a fearless mindset. Be inspired and be empowered with Fear Free Childbirth. And now it's time for the show. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. My name is Alexa Leachman. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, as you know, this show is all about removing the fear out of birth. And I've got a story to share with you today that is just going to blow your mind. Today, I'm going to be joined by Susie Hamilton. And Susie was terrified of pregnancy and birth. And she discovered the podcast a long, long time ago when I first brought it out and dived into everything that I was sharing and used my book and the fear clearance method that I share to help her to get rid of her fears. And she was able to do that so well that not only did she go on to have two babies of her own, but now she is a surrogate and is on her second surrogate baby. I know, right? Like totally bonkers turnaround. When she first let me know that this was the transformation that she had gone through, I was just mind blown, just totally mind blown. I knew I needed to speak to her and find out more about it. And that's what I want to share with you today. And it's really, you know, just as an aside, when you think about approaching pregnancy and birth, and if you are full of fear or full of anxiety, then this really is an opportunity for you to face up to some fears and anxieties that potentially are holding you back in other areas of your life too. And that if you jump in with your feet first, who knows what kind of transformation you could bring about into your life. It's not just about the pregnancy and the birth. One thing that you'll hear in listening to Susie's story is how much she was able to activate her inner sense of power and her ability to advocate for herself and stand up for herself. And this is something I think that a lot of women struggle with, particularly in the context of the birth environment. So I'm just going to hand over to this conversation with Susie because it is truly inspirational to hear such a transformation from fearful to fearless and incredible. Okay. Uh, Now, the other thing is before I hand over is you might notice that both of us sound a little bit emotional when we're talking because we were, I mean, I was just kind of bowled over by her story and and it was very emotional for her sharing it again because I don't think Susie had shared it in quite the way that we had shared it during our conversation. So it really is just a heartwarming and emotional conversation. So maybe get some tissues ready. Okay, I'll hand it over. Susie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I cannot wait to have this conversation with you. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. We're going to talk about your journey from fearful to surrogate, which is quite a journey. And I can't wait to hear all about it. But let's just rewind and start at the beginning. And also, I'd just like to know a little bit about you and who you are. So just tell us a little bit about who you are. So I am a 28-year-old mom of two. And I've had one additional um, pregnancy after that where I was a surrogate. And I gave birth last year to a surrogate baby for a couple that lives in Belgium. And I live in the United States. And I'm actually currently pregnant with my second surrogate baby. I'm 10 weeks today. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning of this journey. I got married very young and I was not, I didn't start out scared of pregnancy or childbirth, but 
we went through two miscarriages prior to my first child. So he is six now. I wasn't really scared until the, you know, the first miscarriage was kind of accidental, you know, about a year into our marriage. I mean, like, obviously we were sad, but we were like, okay, it just wasn't the right time. And then my husband deployed and he came home. And at this point we had been married for about two years and we were like, okay, we're going to try to have a baby. Like this is going to be the most exciting thing we've ever done. I got my first positive pregnancy test and I was not excited. I was so scared. I was like, oh my gosh, like I could just lose this one too. You know, obviously my body hasn't proven me worthy, you know, all the other things that could come along with self-doubt and like panic. And I ended up losing that pregnancy too pretty quickly. You know, we never made it to an ultrasound. So I felt guilty for being sad, but I was so afraid to start trying again. And my husband encouraged me. He was like, let's not give up. Like we're young. At this point we were 20. We're young. Like we have time. There's nothing to panic about. And we tried again. And the very next month after that miscarriage, I had another positive pregnancy test. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like it just all felt like such a big weight. And I, I had the most outrageous anxiety his entire pregnancy. And it really took away from like what I felt like would have been a very joyful time. And so I had to start looking for help because I'm like, what if I don't like in my head, I couldn't even picture giving birth. Like I couldn't, you know, like when they say like picture your future, holding your baby, you'll be so happy. And like, I didn't have any of those feelings. I was not joyful. I was terrified. Searched out some online information because this was 2016 and like, what do you do in 2016? It's the year of looking everything up on the internet. And I found you. So I started listening to your podcasts. Um, and I, I pretty much listened to them religiously. Like even the ones that didn't really pertain to me, I still was like, I just need to listen because other people are experiencing other forms of worry or fear engulfed with pregnancy alone. And then like, at that point, I wasn't even thinking about birth. <laughs> And I was like unprepared, which is odd because like my sister is huge into like advocating for birth that goes your way. So she was a um, Lily J League leader. And so I had so much support in terms of like after birth and you know, like she kept advocating for me to like make the right birth choices. And I ended up getting diagnosed with polyhydramnios in my son's pregnancy. So I had really high fluid levels. And so as a first time mom, I was 20 years old or 21 at the time. So I turned 21 when I was pregnant. I'm 21. I'm a first time mom. I'm terrified just of being pregnant in and of itself. And now they're like, you need to be induced. So of course I had to get over that fear because I had only ever heard of like inductions going wrong. And to be quite frank, mine did not go perfectly, but it I ended up with the birth that I had hoped for after using some of your head trash clearance and like just trying to remind myself that if, as much as I was in control, I could not predict what was going to happen. So I had to kind of put myself in a headspace of what can I control about this? And I was thankful that I was able to end up with I ended up with a vaginal birth. Um, I was induced. It took three days 
you know, like I induced on Wednesday and he was born on Friday. At the end of the day, I got what I had hoped for, which was a vaginal birth. I ended up getting the epidural, which I was, and when I say like deathly afraid, I didn't want to have them put something in my spine. I didn't want to not feel in tune with my body, but I had the epidural because I was so tired. I got to day three and this was like midnight Friday morning. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. They had me on Pitocin. So of course they had me on that to increase my contractions. And I had to, I had to listen to your podcast. And I listened to a little bit of like hypnobirthing as well while I was doing that. Cause I'm like, I don't want this epidural. I'm so scared. I was like, just, I looked over at the nurse and I was like, just put me to sleep and cut him out. Like, I can't do this. She looked at me and she's like, you are going to push this baby out. So I kind of toughened up. I was like, I'm going to get the epidural because that will be my, it will help ease the physical pain that I'm in to help me clear this like mental roadblock that I'm experiencing. So of course I had this beautiful baby boy. I was 21, you know, my husband and I were just so excited to be parents and there's so many other things. Like obviously my path in motherhood was difficult, but I felt so empowered after his birth, after feeling so terrified, just almost as though I could not physically get him out of me. And everyone kept saying like, oh, you're pregnant. He'll come out one way or the other. But in my head, that did not exist. Um, And so we were done having kids and I was like, I'm never having a baby again. Like I was successful. I never, I I never have to do that again. Like checkbox. I did it. Get done. Yeah. And we did not like, we were like, we're not having any more kids. Like he is perfect. He sleeps a majority of the time that he should be sleeping. (laughs) So let's just quit while we're ahead. And then I was like, my son was about 18 months old. I don't know what biological thing happened in me, but I was like, I woke up one morning and I looked at my husband and I was like, we need to have another baby. <laughs> and he was like, are you, are you sure? Cause I don't, I remember what happened last time. And like, I was a, just a ball of nerves the entire pregnancy. And I was like, well, we're going to, we're going to do this differently. Like I'm going to go into it with like a better mind frame before I'm pregnant. So I was listening to a lot of your stuff again, but this time for more of like the, the tocophobia side of it, where I was like clearing that worry just about being pregnant. And like, at this point, you know, we weren't even sure how quickly we were going to start trying or what our plan was. And my husband loves kids. Like he, he was like, let's just go ahead. And like, now it's like, now why is, why would now be a bad time? took a couple of deep breaths about it. And like, and I, I didn't, I wasn't on any birth control after my son, uh, but I was breastfeeding. I breastfed him until actually through uh, part of my daughter's pregnancy. So he was still breastfeeding. And I was like, Oh, you know, I just got my period back. Like it'll take a long time. I have so much time to prepare. We got pregnant the first month and I was like, I needed more time. (laughs) She was ready to join the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I was terrified of miscarriage. Now I have a baby to take care of. And like, I'm still breastfeeding him. There was so much, but I definitely went into it after doing like the head trash clearance and just 
it was like something about your voice after having listened to it during a whole pregnancy and then like in labor. And I was like, oh, Alexia has got me. Like I am so calm. Oh my God, you get me all goosebumps, you know. And this was, this was 20, oh man, she was born in 2019. Okay. So it was the end of 2018. I found out I was pregnant on, um, here in the United States, it's Black Friday. So it's like the day after Thanksgiving. So it's the end of November. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm due in August of 2019 and my birthday is in August. So I was like, I'm going to look at this as like an early birthday gift. It's going to be so different. I'm going to do this differently. Now I found new care providers. So I knew that from my first pregnancy, I was with obstetricians only. And I said, this time I am going to be with midwives solely. Like I want as hands off, but like, I want to know my provider team intimately. And I found a hospital that's it. where we were living at the time. It was about a 40 to 45 minute drive. Everyone kept like, trying to convince me not to do it. Cause they're like, that's such a long drive. You've already had a baby. Like, what if you have a baby on the side of the road? And I was like, nope, I'm not putting that in my head. I need to focus on keeping myself as mentally healthy for this pregnancy. I'm doing things so much differently this time. And I will tell you what, that pregnancy was the most uneventful, peaceful experience of my life. Like I felt just total calm because I was able to kind of take in everything that you were, you were preaching about, like not letting anxiety engulf you. Like it's okay to seek help too, if you need it. Right. So I was talking to my midwives every single appointment about what I, what my fears were and what I was, what I was afraid of happening to me. The fact that they cared enough to like sit and talk to me about my fears that had nothing to do with them. I told them, I was like, I want an unmedicated birth. I want a spontaneous birth. I all of these things that now I could even, I could dream about her being born. And I didn't have that with my son. I I was so terrified of his birth. And while it didn't go perfectly, I didn't feel traumatized. I could see some positive from his birth, but it helped me see what I didn't want in the next one. So going from someone who was like, one kid, I'm done. And now I'm like, so excited to have a second baby and her her pregnancy was, like I said, so uneventful. I went into labor the day before my due date. She took a while to come. We didn't encourage her at all. It was just over 24 hours. I went into labor the day before my due date. She was born the evening of her due date. There was no worry about what was going to happen. I knew that my care team had my best interest, but they were never rushing me. They weren't like, oh, you've been here for X amount of hours, you know, and my, at that point, like my water wasn't ruptured. So they offered me, like, I think I was five centimeters dilated and they were like, do you want to go home? Like, are you just stressed out here? It was almost like them saying that relieved whatever internal stress I wouldn't let go of. So I put my headphones in, I'm listening to like, you know, like calming music, all of the things that I had set in place to like, make me feel safe. And I transitioned like so quickly, like within 30 minutes, I went through transition and she was born like two hours after that first transition contraction. And like, it was all, it was a blur. Like to me, it felt like 10 minutes. <laughs> no epidural. I, like they had offered me gas. 
but I, I said, no, like I just wanted to feel, you know, I didn't get to feel all those things. And when I tell you, I looked at that woman, the nurse was sitting next to me and I was like, I never have to do that again. I felt so calm. And like, she was like, they laid her up on my chest and like, I had done all of these things to like mentally prepare for her. And it was mostly a thanks to you because between like, I did some hypnobirthing as well. I didn't like take a full class, but I was following a lot of the tracks of like breathing, you know, and like you talk a lot about being able to have resources like on hand, but you were one of them. Like I would, it didn't matter what episode it was almost just like your voice became this like calming entity for me. So I would put in like one of your podcasts. I'm like, okay, we're almost done. And then like, she came out and I was like, wow, I never have to do that again. Like I'm done. We knew that we really didn't want any more than two children, but I, she hit about a year old and I was still breastfeeding her. I breastfed her until she was like 16 months. Um, so which was less time than my son. I think my son breastfed in close to two. He was like 21 months, something like that. But I was pregnant with my daughter and I I needed myself back while I was pregnant with my daughter because I, I wanted to feel calm. I looked at my husband like after she was a year old and I was like, I think I want to consider surrogacy. Like, I think, I think I feel a drive to be pregnant. Like, because her experience, like her birth was so cathartic, like it, it was very healing. Obviously it didn't take away the pain and the anxiety and the stress from my son's birth and pregnancy, but it definitely provided some sort of like reassurance that I was capable. It was like, all right, if that's really what you want, like, you know, once I became a mom, I knew I was like, if, if someone else can't experience this, I want to be able to provide that to them. Surrogacy is different all over the world. So surrogacy in like the UK is different than surrogacy in the United States. It is uncompensated in the United Kingdom. And so in the United States, you can be compensated for the the pregnancy and the time that you're spending pregnant. And that's like a whole other can of worms. But when I went into this, I was like, I want to help a family grow. I was scared. But because I had a positive birth experience after a panic birth, no peace, and then a very peaceful experience being pregnant and and then being able to enjoy all the movement. And like, I wasn't afraid of going to the midwife. I wasn't afraid of the doctor. You know, I wasn't afraid of them telling me that like there was something wrong with my baby or me. And I was like, okay, I think I can do it. Like, maybe I'll just try if I don't like it. Like if I get into it and I meet these people and I decide that like, this isn't for me, like I can change my mind before I'm pregnant. I had no worries. It was almost like it being someone else's genetics helped me feel less afraid. It was like, I knew my body was capable. Like I had given birth twice at this point. I did it. I jumped out first and I I actually gave birth for two dads. So it's a gay couple that lives in Belgium. Um, and they have a beautiful little boy now. His pregnancy was beautiful. I did the same thing. I had a mostly mainly midwife care, but I was at a practice at that point because we moved that had OBs on staff. So they were able to like consult. And I think that gave the dads a lot of peace too. One of them was a doctor. So he was very like 
scientifically minded about everything. It was a good compromise. And they're the team that I was with, like they have the lowest C-section rate in Florida, which is where I live, if not like the Southeast region of the United States. And I was like, because that was one of my fears is like having a C-section. I'm like, I hate feeling numb. And my epidural with my son didn't work fully. I was like, I don't want to be numb. So like, they're going to have to like put me to sleep for me to to have this baby if I ever need a C-section, like just all of those things that could go wrong were going through my head with all pregnancies. But I took a headstrong approach when it came to being pregnant with someone else's baby. I didn't think I was going to have two kids of my own, let alone now I'm on my fourth pregnancy or my hopefully will be my fourth live birth. My life has changed completely. I didn't know tocophobia was a thing. I really don't even think I had it until I had experienced loss, but I was so terrified. I want to be able to tell everyone else that's currently going through all of those fears. There is another side to that. You can get past it. Like right now I'm, I'm 10 weeks pregnant. It's for a um, heterosexual couple that lives in a different state in the United States. And they've tried to get pregnant but on their own for like 12 years. So like this is their first ever positive pregnancy and they have fears. And so I'm able to kind of help them walk through their fear. And even though they're not doing the carrying themselves, there's a lot of trauma and loss for the most part that comes with surrogacy. You know, no one chooses surrogacy as their first path to parenthood. And so they have to give up a lot of those fears and worries to be able to even allow someone else to carry their child. So I feel incredibly honored, but oh gosh, that's, that's my story. Sorry, it was long. Oh, I know it's an amazing story. I'm just totally in awe. And I just can't believe what a journey that's been from somebody that's terrified to, to now having babies for others. I mean, I'm just like, you know, part of me is like, how, how, how does that thought like drop into your head? Like, Oh yeah, let's just starve babies for the people. It just like I just find that like mind-blowing and incredible. You know, and what a leap. Like what generosity. I mean, I don't know, there's so many. Do you know where that came from? Is that were you thinking about for ages? I mean, you know, that's quite a leap, isn't it? I think part of it was I knew that like being a parent again, like having a third child felt like not not in my ball field. But I knew that like pregnancy felt really empowering with my second. So I was like, what if I can like capture that feeling without having to bring another baby home? And so at first it was like, kind of just like a passing thought where I was like, honey, talking to my husband, like, what do you think? Like, would this be crazy? Am I just like losing my mind? And he was like, let's like do research about it. And obviously we did extensive research onto like the legal side what were like the emotional ramifications and like, what was the whole process? And there is a lot of guidelines in the United States that can, you know, you have to have healthy pregnancies and births prior to being even eligible to become a surrogate, at least in the United States. There's the American Society of Reproductive Medicine. You know, they give very detailed guidelines of like, who can be a surrogate? What are the qualifications what kind of complications in a previous pregnancy would exclude you from being able to be a surrogate? So even for me, I was like, I might not even qualify. So let's just see what happens. And if I qualify, if like the universe allows this to happen, I'm going to embrace it. I did. And everything like it fell in place. 
to place that I said, okay, everything's working out, you know, and then like, there's a hurdle of, will I even get pregnant? So it uses IVF. I had a lot of anxiety going into like having to give myself shots daily. There's a lot of head trash clearance that had to go on with that too, because I'm like, I don't like getting shots that other people give me. How can I give myself an injection every single day for like 12 weeks? It was a little terrifying. I think the idea that like I had to do all of these things. I'm like, Mm. I'm super powerful. Like I was empowered. I left my second pregnancy feeling more positive than negative about birth and pregnancy. So I just decided I was ready and I did it. And I had a baby. I'm like, I gave birth to him unmedicated. He came shockingly on his due date. I've had two due date babies. Oh my God. The second one. So my, my surrogacy that I had, he was born on his due date, but he was only like 22 minutes into his due date. So we could have had a 39 week and six day birth. But he held out for 22 minutes after midnight to come on his due date. We'll see if I can do it a third time. Amazing. So I like that you just, yeah. So so let's talk about the head trash clearance piece. And so for those that don't know, head trash clearance is the method that I developed to get rid of fear. So so you mentioned that you've used it a little bit throughout your all of your pregnancy experiences. So talk me through the first time that you decided to try it out and what you were using it for. Well, I didn't, I didn't feel like an expert the first time. The first time was my son. And so I was like, yeah, I'm like on, on your website, I'm listening to your podcasts. I'm like trying to go through, like if you had some like free resources and I'm trying to go through everything as much as I could. Cause I was like paranoid that I just wasn't capable of doing all of these things. And you kind of touch on like basically putting yourself and like, I, I think you talked about like categorizing what my fears were, like really talking about about what the fears were, not just like, oh, I'm anxious, but like they're being very specific about like what my anxiety was for and being able to focus on those things and control, talk about what I could control for some of those things. But I felt like confused really in the beginning because I didn't know how to, how to use what you were preaching, like how to implement it into myself. And so just listening to you repeat those things, you know, talk about what I could do to not control, I feel like that's not really the right word, Um, but what I could do to impact Mm. my situation, I guess, if that's, because you don't have control. You have to release some of that, like, what am I capable of doing right now to help my fear? And my fear was, and I would have to name them. So like my fear was, being induced. And then that happened. And I was like, all right, I have an arsenal of things to calm. And whether that was like listening to calming music or like even just expressing those fears to my husband, because I kept a lot of it bottled up. But like, if you just keep it all in, it doesn't go away. It just sits there and it festers and it grows. And I was like, I need this to go away. But I was afraid to talk about it with my friends, you know, who at that point, really a lot of my friends weren't having children. And so I couldn't really express my anxiety out loud. So I did take to the internet as well. One other thing that I did that was really helpful was I I started an Instagram that was separate from my own Instagram. And I kind of used this as part of my head trash clearance, like an outlet was to be able to share the anxiety. And like, there's a whole community on Instagram of 
women out there who are terrified or whether that be like trying to conceive or you're pregnant and now you're fearful of that pregnancy, like they're everywhere and they're from all over the world. And I met lifelong friends on Instagram now, and it just, it changed my whole view of what pregnancy can be like when I take away what is happening in here. There's a lot of things that happen that you don't want to feel judged for feeling these things too. And that's, that was like my biggest fear was that people, if I started talking about it, that people were going to tell me like, oh, you're being ungrateful. Like then this was like a whole other aspect to my anxiety was I should be so happy that I'm pregnant. And like, there's women out there who would give anything in the world to be pregnant. All of those feelings had to be sorted through Mm. in order to have a peaceful pregnancy and birth. And, And to be quite honest, my first one wasn't peaceful. Some people say like, oh, once you feel them move, you'll start to feel differently. And I didn't, I didn't feel that way. So it it took a lot of really going through like compartmentalizing what the, what my fears were and like talking about them and not letting them just sit and, and fester. Another thing was like physical release. Uh, and I'm not sure if you really talk about that, but like I, I would see a, like a chiropractor to like, and like a massage therapist to help the the muscle tension that I was developing <laughs> during the pregnancy that helped a little bit too. Just, I mean, obviously I don't know if that did, you know, if that was like the thing that really helped, but I feel like it was a part of my healing process was like, I feel like my anxiety manifested a lot in like muscle tension. And I felt so achy mm-hmm. in my first pregnancy and then being able to like have some emotional clearance with my second pregnancy. I felt, I felt healthier almost. Yeah. There's a lot of tension in the body, the fear, it's tightness. It's very heavy. Yes. And I think that it made my first labor longer. I mean, it was an induction. So I, I obviously have to say like, I was a first time mom being induced. The odds that it wasn't going to be an immediate thing was very high I do feel like the more peace that I had in in subsequent pregnancies and births, I had faster labors. I had labors that I felt more in control of and not control in the sense of like, I get to decide what happens, but that I knew that whatever happened, I had done everything in my, my power to be prepared for all of the possible outcomes and not be fearful of those outcomes. Because if if I was meant to have a C-section to give birth to my children, then that's it. That's how it's supposed to be. But I was going to set myself up for feeling peace and calm. I had never had surgery other than like, I had oral surgery when I was a teenager, but terrified of surgery. (laughs) So you obviously have to overcome that fear of, I might have to have surgery to have a baby. Like that's, that's a huge commitment. You know, you, you, you don't just wake up the next morning feeling fine. And after my surrogacy, I ended up needing my gallbladder be removed when I was like five weeks postpartum. So while I didn't have a C-section to give birth to him, I did end up having to have surgery after he was born. Even that was difficult. And that was like, didn't even touch what a C-section goes through. So I was grateful for that my experience didn't include a C-section, but I was mentally prepared for, in my head, what the scariest possible outcome could be. And I don't know how I would have ever done it without like having your voice 
in my head all the time, whether that be about like anxiety. And like, I listen to a lot of the podcasts where you are interviewing other people. Um, particularly, I think there was one that I listened to that you were speaking to like a, uh, like a researcher and she was like talking about her pregnancy. And I, I really liked that one because I was like, okay, so even researchers who are literally into psychology can still be scared. <laughs> I felt better. I feel much better. The emotions, we're all human, even though like, you know, even though I work with this stuff all the time and I use head trash bits myself all the time, it doesn't stop those human emotions rolling in, you know, it doesn't kind of make us immune. And yeah, that story with her was just brilliant because she intellectually knows about all this stuff. And yet the human part, the bit that the woman still feels all that. So focus your mind on, because that's another thing I think when you're going through pregnancy, or at least birth, is that give your mind something to focus on so that you can keep focused on not what's going on in your body potentially it's a really good distraction isn't it just to give a kind of a mental focus music really helped like definitely while I was in active labor and like music without words I found was the best thing for me so just like instrumental acoustic even like manipulated music, like anything that didn't really sound like real instruments, but like it was something about just having tunes and I could kind of tune out. I could focus on the music and tune out like the sounds of the hospital room. I've always given birth in a hospital despite having midwives. It's very clinical. Obviously you're in a hospital and like you feel like you're sick (laughs) and that was not peaceful but I was able to really put into myself about focusing on what I could control. And that was like the way I was breathing, you know, working through each contraction. Cause I feel like that's a whole other hurdle into birth is like, Oh, I'm scared of pain. I don't think the pain was the scariest part of birth for me. Like it was almost just like the outcome that could happen. You know, like, obviously I want my child to be healthy, but I want to feel like I was safe. And I think knowing that I was in like a right place, I had the right support person. You know, my husband has been at all of my births. He's a professional birth partner now. (laughs) (laughs) He is. After this many births, I think to him, it's like second nature. He's just like, do you want me to like push on your hips? And I'm like, he would know that I need things before I can even vocalize them. And he's like, why don't you roll over? You look stressed out. And I found that I also don't like to give birth laying down. I much prefer to do it in like a reclined, like um, throne position. That was much more empowering as well, because I, now I wasn't on my back Mm. and I felt like I had, I could focus on what could I control and I could control the way I was sitting. And I know it's not the same way for most or not for a lot of people in the United States, at least you don't get to, I mean, there's some doctors who will say like, I don't allow my patients to give birth in any other position than laying down, which like it's just a control thing because at this point I've had two of my three births sitting upright in a hospital bed like they took off the end of the bed and I gave birth sitting up and like I just felt I felt like I was able to be more present as well when it came to like what position I was in and some people really enjoy like on all fours I don't like that. That felt like a very vulnerable position to me. So I did not, like I tried to do it when I was ready to push. And I was like, nope, I don't like that because it it made me feel vulnerable. And I don't want to feel vulnerable while I'm already naked. <laughs> Didn't you? you were like a queen on your throne. 
Can you- I, that's exactly how it felt. I had a little bit of privacy, even though I was completely naked, but like somehow it felt more private. And another thing, and I forgot to mention this on my first birth, another thing that really helped me feel focus on the outcome for birth was having a mirror to watch him come out. Oh, I thought it would scare me because they offered it to me. And, and I was like, I think I do want to see it. I think I need to know that I'm making progress. I was able to focus on seeing him come out. That was amazing that like they offered me the mirror and every single birth since then I've had a mirror and I have felt like that has made a huge difference too. Cause I'm like, instead of them coaching me and saying like, Oh, you're doing so great. He's almost there. Like I can see their head and their hair. And like, I'm able to reach down and like touch them and feel like, Thinking about birth, like reliving, I'm just, obviously you're reliving your birth and they are just so powerful, these experiences. They just bring it all back. And obviously, I don't know, do you get to talk about your birth much? Is this because maybe? I, I don't really talk about it a lot. I feel like I, I advocate for my friends who are going, you know, like who might be afraid. And I've shared my birth experience with some of my closest friends. Yes, sharing it is very help like it feels helpful to me to to talk about the things that scared me and reliving some of the hardest parts of it or sometimes it's like doesn't feel good I really do feel like being able to share the positivity and that's why when most people are like oh my gosh you're a surrogate like number one I hear oh I've never met somebody who's been a surrogate it's a little wild a little wild to me because you know there's like I think Somewhere between 1,500 to 3,000 surrogates give birth every year. And so it's not a huge number, but it's significant enough. Is that just in the U.S.? Or is that- it might be globally, but I, I feel like maybe it's 1,500 in the United States and maybe another 1,500 elsewhere. I could be wrong on that. Don't, <laughs> don't quote me. But I do know that it's a very small number in the grand scheme of all the people who give birth every year. There's a lot that goes into, there's a uniqueness. Obviously you're giving birth and it's not your baby. So there's hurdles to overcome with that. But like being able to talk about my birth experience with my surrogate baby, that was the most empowering thing I've ever done. Like, mm. you know, I, I got to hold him, you know, they put him up on my chest and that was something that me and the intended parents agreed upon, you know, before his birth that they wanted delayed cord clamping. So he stayed on me. That was, that was very healing because it was like, I got to kind of see the work that I had done and like get to like tell him how proud of him that I was, because I also feel like talking to the baby, even my own children, I, I talked to all of them as soon as they came out. Like I told my son, I was like, hi, I'm your mom. And then with my daughter, I looked at her and I was like, you did it. Like, and then, and then I immediately said, I never have to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Jokes on me. I continue to to do it. And I, I do have a feeling that this is going to be my last pregnancy and not, not in a bad way, but (laughs) (laughs) my husband's listening, but he's like, maybe you don't say any definites. You don't know. Maybe I'm ready to move on from being in the, the pregnancy and birth part of my life. The fact that I've been able to do it and like I've, number one, I'm grateful that I survived because there are people who do not survive pregnancy. And that was a huge fear. 
even though it could have been irrational, it was still very, very real in my head with my first pregnancy. I had no reason to believe that I wouldn't, but somehow it was something to overcome. And I do feel like all of my births so far have taught me something. Each one has taught me something different. And number one, I know that I love giving birth without medication, you know, being able to feel all of the feelings. And I felt more in tune with my body. And some people were like, you're crazy. I would never give birth without an epidural. And I feel like that's such a personal choice. And I'm so grateful that I'm able to find teams, Mm. multiple teams of people who are willing to help me uh, have the birth that I can envision because being able to envision a birth felt impossible years ago. And I'm finally at a place I can look forward to birth. You know, (laughs) I'm almost like eager to do it again. And I never thought that would be (laughs) a fact of my life. Obviously there's, there's fears. There's still fears. I think even now as a person who's given birth three times, I still have fears coming up and like, like I'm 10 weeks pregnant. So I've got 30 more weeks, give or take. I have to make all 30 weeks and then I still have to get through the birth and anything happen, but I'm not going to let my fears control the outcome for me. I can focus on what I can do and what I can control. I'm actually giving birth with the same group that I gave birth to my daughter with. We moved back to where we were. So I'm hopeful that I'll have a very similar experience to her birth. And like, they let me eat during my pregnancy. That was like huge. I didn't get that my first birth or not pregnancy, in birth. Yeah. My first with my son, I was induced. They like refused food. And like, basically I just had sips of water. And then with my daughter, they encouraged me to eat. So I think that that helped too. It's like, I was able to fuel myself to get through 24 hours of labor with her. Granted, transition was very fast. Like the funniest part about my third birth is that when I think I was like, I think they checked my cervix and I was like six centimeters. They're like, oh, you're doing great. You know, I walked in in labor. So they were kind of like, oh, this is our third time. Like this is the easy one. (laughs) And I went and I went into the room and they checked and they were like, okay, you're about six centimeters. And I went and I sat on the toilet and I found that the toilet is my favorite place to labor. (laughs) I I looked at, I was like, you got to call the nurse right now. (laughs) I'm going to have this baby on the toilet nurse comes in she's like you were just six centimeters there's no way she was like we need to go get the midwife (laughs) this happened really quickly like his transition was so much faster but it was a lot more peaceful but I still there's different feelings that come with a surrogacy as well because you're having to think about the parents and I had the parents in the room with me I wanted them to be able to experience everything with me you know it's their child's birth just as if it would be my husband's birth as much as it was mine. And so having then I was thinking about like, am I being too noisy? Am I scaring them with like, they were both men. So like, they've never, I don't think other than the doctor, he had like gone through some OB rounds when he was in medical school. He was like, I've never just sat in on a birth. So this is a little intimidating. One of the most amazing parts of it was like having everyone be able to experience it. And they were scared. There was 
I think a few moments where I think they could have used some anxiety reducing. <laughs> it was just beautiful and amazing. And I your husband in that as well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he was <laughs> my husband was like, I'll just stand back here. You know, I don't I don't really like to be touched. I found that out. Don't really like people to touch me. I want, I want to feel control of the situation. And I it's not comforting to have people like touching my arms or my legs. And so my husband knows now he's like, I just leave her alone. You know, <laughs> I, I talk to her and then if she wants me to help her, I will offer my help <laughs> because during my daughter's birth, he like tried to be really like, Oh, I'll rub your shoulders. And I was on the, I think it's called the cub. It's a birth. It's like a birth stool almost, but it's inflatable. I did not like that. I, everyone was like raving. They're like, this thing's amazing. This bird stool. I did not feel comfortable. And I leaned over and I touched my husband's like knees to like get, you know, like kind of be into the contractions. And I was like, oh, your legs are so hairy. I, I just don't want to be near you anymore. And my husband felt so bad. Like it was a fact of life. It was like, I was going through something and I was figuring out in the moment, like what made me comfortable and what didn't. And I was not apologetic about any of the things I was like, I don't like that. Being able to control all these things and say like, nope, I don't like that. Yes, I like that. And no one, no one argued with me. But if they did, there was a couple of times when a nurse would fuss at me about taking my gown off because I don't like to labor in clothes. I, like, I navigated all of these things. But having my support person, so my husband was there, also advocating for the things that I wanted and that I didn't want, they kept saying like, oh, you need to put some clothes on. You need to put a gown on or something. And I'm like, no, like if you don't want to see me, feel free to leave the room. (laughs) He would advocate for me too. He was like, no, she's more comfortable in a different position or she would rather be sitting on the birth ball than on the bed, you know? And they're like, we need to check your cervix. And I do feel like this is a very like United States thing. It's like, we need to do this. And I'm like, do you need to, or do you want to? So I do very minimal cervical checks because I realized they're painful and I don't enjoy them and they don't tell me anything. I learned that I could trust my physical instincts. I never thought that I would feel this way about birth or pregnancy and in and of itself. Pregnancy can be really hard. No one really talks about the hard stuff because they want it to look like it's this beautiful, magical thing. And then like those of us who don't feel the beautiful, magical thing the whole time are like, am I doing it wrong? Mm. Or am I not? And that's just not the case. I I think it goes without saying I'm going to ask you anyway, like, what have you learned about yourself? I imagine that you've learned a lot about yourself going through all of this. I am way stronger at advocating for what makes me feel good and I I feel like it makes me a better advocate for other people too like for my children and I think my husband is a better advocate for other people too because now he's kind of found his voice and like pushing back against like the typical behaviors surrounding like pregnancy and birth but he also has I think unique insight to helping someone go through the fears that come with being pregnant. And like, I think he secretly had some fears too that he was afraid to talk about with our first, you know, he felt kind of indifferent about the whole thing. 
but then he was more vocal with my daughter's pregnancy. And he was like, we have to, like, we're doing this together. And I know not everyone has a supportive partner like this. And so I don't, I don't want this to make it seem like this was the only way I did it. But having somebody, anybody, whether that was like my husband or my sister or my mom or a best friend or whoever, just having someone to share the fears with and not feeling like you are completely isolated in this like bubble of shame or sadness for feeling not joy because it allowed me to feel more joy because I could share those things and say, I'm terrified. I don't see this going in some beautiful sunshine enveloped way. And so sharing my fears with somebody else and then him being able to share some of his fears back. I think we learned a lot about each other. I think that's helpful, but I'm not afraid to like speak up anymore. You know, I, I didn't want to cause a ruckus or hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm like, this is my birth. This is my child's birth. And then obviously with surrogacy, this is my birth, but this is someone else's birth too. And I want to make this a an experience that is positive for all of us. And I, I don't know. I just look forward to giving birth again. Like I didn't think that was possible. You are a total badass. I have to say, like you kind of like found your voice, you found your power, you, 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 you're clear on what you want and you will stand up for yourself and ask for it without coming across some, faulty bitch like some people like oh my god she's just so you know like uh whatever language people might have about women that are being assertive and asking what they want you've got such a gentle way with you but I can imagine that you're like you don't take any crap and you're like and you get what you want is that fair to say yeah I feel like being being in the moment like all of the emotions and like the adrenaline because I totally believe that adrenaline plays a huge part in birth for me as soon as it kicks in like I'm not afraid to say like I'm taking all my clothes off like (laughs) I'm sorry if someone else is uncomfortable but I'm gonna do what's gonna make me feel the most comfortable right now and that's to be naked and for some people it's gonna be completely clothed and they're gonna wear the whole gown maybe like a bra and during my surrogacy birth I did wear a bra just for like comfortability for me I was surrounded by a bunch of men in labor so not that any of them cared but and like, obviously they were looking at my vagina. So like, I, I feel like it's all about like mitigating whatever makes you feel comfortable. And for me, I, I love having a mirror. I want to be naked. I want to labor in whatever position I want. And I want to give birth sitting upright. Like those are my very few and far between things. And no one's going to take them away from me. But without learning that I had control and that even if someone pushes back, at the end of the day, I can do what makes me feel safe. And like making myself feel safe was, has always been my top priority. And I don't think anyone would argue with me anymore <laughs> about giving birth. I feel like as a first time mom, a lot of people are afraid to be assertive mm. because they don't want to make waves. And the one thing I wish that I would have known in my first birth, and I I don't know if it's like a rite of passage passage where you just have to learn that you can advocate for yourself. But I felt like I was, you know, they wanted to check my cervix all the time and it was so painful and I just let them kept doing it. And I, like, I learned better, you know, I learned that I could say no 
or like not right now, or just ask them like, why, you know, what, what are you going to get out of it? And I never knew that I had that power. Definitely empowering myself to speak up was one way that I helped further labors and births. No one can tell me that I'm not going to do something to be comfortable in birth anymore. <laughs> like, I mean, has that expanded to other aspects of your life? You know, like you found this power now and I imagine, yeah. So, okay. So tell me, how is this showing up elsewhere? I mean, I, I deal with anxiety on a regular basis, like with other stuff, because I have two kids and like I'm trying to raise them to be nice people, like good human <laughs> beings. How do you teach your three and a half year old to advocate for herself? I'll tell you what, we've done a pretty good job because we we have this um, one thing that we talk about in our house a lot is like, I'm the boss of my body. We try to empower our kids that like, we don't make fun or we don't talk about other people's body, the way that they look or the way that they act. That's not kind. My son and my daughter both experienced bullying already. And wow. there was a situation where my son, um, he's, he's a bigger boy. Like my husband is six foot one. I don't know what that translates. I think it was like 71 centimeters, something. I don't know. Six foot one, well, that's good for me. Yeah, yeah, that's tall. He's a very tall man and I'm a foot shorter than my husband. So like our children are, my daughter is like very petite and little and our son is, he's a bulkier kid, but like he's been made fun of and he's an empath all the way. Like our first child came out. He is, he feels everything. He's so emotionally in tune with himself. He, if he sees someone being sad, he's sad with them you know, and my daughter's not that way. She's definitely not empathetic, but she is like, she is just sharp. Someone said something to her about her clothes, you know, like, oh, I, I feel like your shirt is dirty. And she looked and she's like, I'm having fun and I'm the boss of my body. So if I want to wear a dirty shirt. I'm going to wear a <laughs> what, but now we are kind of regretting, not regretting, but sometimes it gets us Cause we'll say, Hey, it's time to go take a bath. You know, you're a little dirty. And she's like, I'm the bots of my body. I don't have to go <laughs> do that. And I'm like, well, well, you don't have to, I would recommend that you go take a bath because you're kind of dirty. <laughs> and she always agrees, but I do feel like we are, we are more empowering to our kids and teaching them that like, no one is allowed to speak to them in, you know, sometimes they call us out even they're like mom you're being you know my son will say mom you're being kind of rude and I sometimes have to take a step back and I'm like am I bossing him around like there's a difference between telling your child something to keep them safe or telling them something that's like in their best interest or telling your child to do something because you want it done and like you want it done right now there's like a very fine line of like teaching independence and empowering them to speak up and like be vocal about what's important to them versus like, do you want a child who's going to question your authority? But I totally believe that I want my kids to grow up to question authority figures because not everyone is in charge of you. Well, Susie, I, I feel like we could talk all day. You've got so much experience, just so much to share. And it's just been wonderful to hear this journey that you've made from um, fearful, possibly tocophobic to now surrogate. I mean, it is just, I still think it's a bit mind blowing, I have to be honest, but just incredible just incredible if there's anybody that wants to you've mentioned an instagram account can people come in are you still running that instagram yes account? yeah i still use that instagram account. i'm not as active i'm more like i use it to follow other people now on their journey but i do post about my surrogacy here and there 
it's dear, so dear baby underscore H. And it was originally when I was going through dear baby Hamilton to my child. Uh, Uh, But now it's kind of moved on to like birth, you know, all sorts of anxiety over trying to conceive and what could have miscarriage happen and all those things. And like, I shared it with some of my close friends recently and they were like, oh my gosh, you documented everything like from every pregnancy test to all of it. And I'm like, yeah, I had nowhere else to share those things. The community is huge on Instagram, Mm. trying to conceive, you know, now it's kind of moved into surrogacy for me. So I know that my, that Instagram can be a little triggering to some people because I'm actively talking about pregnancy a lot, but Mm. it's, it's just one of those things that I used it to be an anonymous release. You know, I didn't share my face for like the first six months or something on there. And it wasn't until we had like a positive pregnancy and like blood work was showing that he was growing that I shared my face. And cause I, I just wanted it to be this anonymous sharing ground. And it really was, it was amazing. Just to summarize that in terms of, you know, what really helped you throughout your pregnancy zone, just to recap, it sounds like you did some hypnobirthing. Obviously, there's some podcast listening going in there. You did some head trash clearance. You went to the physio. Was it the physio, the osteopath, was it? Yeah, so I did like chiropractic care and massage. And I feel like that was very helpful. Is there anything else that you did that was really helpful for you? Though? Really, I, I, I feel like the biggest thing was being able to talk about, mm. like finding one person, you know, even if they never talk back to you, if they never like give you any feedback, but being able to share it and know that it's going to a safe place. So whether that be online or to a friend or a family member or your, you know, your spouse or your co-parent, whoever it is, being able to talk about it and like just let that information release and not feel an obligation for them to provide you safety or guidance back. Like they can just soak it in for you. And I don't think that someone should take on all of your anxiety and stress, but being able to freely share and say, I'm scared of this, whether that be what the next doctor's appointment's going to hold. Are they going to find something on an ultrasound? Am I going to have to have an epidural? Like, am I going to be induced? Am I all those things? I shared all of those things with the Instagram community and I shared them with my husband and I was able to, it was almost like letting them out felt mm-hmm. good. And so I do recommend finding someone or something as a, as an outlet, even if you're completely anonymous, mm-hmm. I didn't feel alone anymore because I was able to keep letting those things out and not just having them stuck up here alone, like festering in my own thoughts. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Susie, for sharing your story. It's just been wonderful to listen. To. You've been listening to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast with me, Alexia Leachman. Fear Free Childbirth is the online destination for women seeking to take the fear out of pregnancy, birth and beyond. With fear clearance meditations, self-healing products and courses, professional training and specialist programs for overcoming tocophobia. And if you've enjoyed this episode, then check out the Fear Free Childbirth Mama Ship. It's a bit like Netflix, where you can binge on a boatload more Fear Free Childbirth content to inspire you on the journey to motherhood and beyond. More interviews, more birth stories, more expert wisdom. Visit fearfreechildbirth.com to find out more.